Hello, Internet. The Morgan You Know Podcast Network presents Balls and Brew. Thank you for joining us. Hello and welcome to another edition of the flagship sports podcast here on the Morgan You Know Podcasting Network. I am your host. My name is Rod Morgan. Joining me are my guys, my fellas. I couldn't do this podcast without them because, quite frankly, I'd just be talking and talking and talking. Not that I couldn't do that, but I don't know how interesting it would be if I didn't have these gentlemen to throw things off of. And frankly, there wouldn't be a podcast for anyone to listen to if it wasn't for this guy, the executive producer of this and every other podcast here on the network. Also host of the ever popular Yeah, We Know in the ring with Jimmy, Chris, and Rod, our wrestling podcast. It's Jimmy Jamariska. Jimmy, hello. You know, week 14. Wow. What can week 15 do to, to cap it? Like, this is ridiculous. I cannot wait to talk some NFL football. We will, of course, be chopping up week 15 with our handicapper joining us from South Bend. We decided last week it's probably only about three miles, if that, from Morgan Eno Studios here in Mishawaka. It's our guy, Josh Williams. What's up, boys? Uh, we went three and one if we include the the late text thread ad last week. We always do. Spread. It's my rules. We always okay. do. Okay, so now we're 26, 18, and one against the spread. That's over 59%. So we're just trying to get to last year's 60%. Let's go. Let's go. Let's uh, have another winning week here. Well, I love it. And don't think I forgot our old man down there in North Carolina, but he has already warned me that he could be rather excitable for this episode. So I'm trying to already throw him off his game and introduce him last. He's our guy, Chris King. Chris, hello. How in the world can the Raiders put out a six-minute YouTube video showing the highlights of their Week 14 game? Baffles me. Listen, man, those social media teams have to have content, Chris. You're starting to get into the content minds yourself, my friend. You are now the host, co-host of two different podcasts. We go weekly. There's always got to be something to say. Come on, you should have you should have pity for these people. The Raiders do not have six minutes of highlights from that game. That's why it was such a tough job for those folks. You shouldn't be coming on here and burning them. You should be talking them up and saying, nice job, guys. You got six minutes of highlights out of that Raiders game. Let's talk a little bit more about games from last week. We'll hold off on doing our typical opener, Jimmy Jamriska's face heel. Jimmy, we're going to keep you back in gorilla position. I'm going to drop a uh, insider wrestling term for those that don't listen to the wrestling show to prove my vast wrestling knowledge. We're going to keep you in gorilla position for right now because I'm told that our guy, Josh Williams, has some stats that will literally blow my mind. So thank goodness I'm wearing this trademark. Morgan, you know, stocking cap to keep my brains inside when we hear some of the wild stuff that Williams thinks maybe made week 14 be one of the most improbable in NFL history. Okay, yeah, check this out. Week 14 might have been the most improbable week of all time in NFL history. Let me give you this. Patrick Mahomes was 46 and two when opponents didn't reach 21 points. The Chiefs lost. Wallace, the punt returner from the Ravens, had never returned a punt before in an NFL game until he housed that one in OT for the win for the Ravens. Also, games that were scoreless at the half had went 34-0 to the under until that Jets-Texans game. <laughs> that game went over. Uh, people on, on, on the under in that game were on suicide watch. Titans became the first team in NFL history to win a game in regulation that they were down by 14 with less than three minutes to play. 
unbelievable. Teams to score three points or fewer in a game since 2008 were 0-255-2 until the Vikings beat the Raiders on Sunday. We get a Tomlin stat here. Tomlin, the Steelers, first team over 500 to lose back-to-back games versus teams at least eight games under 500. Lost to the Pats and and, and Zona at home back-to-back weeks. And then top it all off, who would have guessed this? Who had this on the bingo parlay card? AFC Player of the Week? Of course, it's Zach Wilson. NFC Player of the Week? Of course, it's Tommy Lasagna, Tommy DeVito. I mean, get out of here. How improbable was Week 14? Listen, Tommy Cutlets, I'm going to start there because, Williams, you and I, right, I, uh, I, I, I bend your ear quite often during the week with fantasy thoughts, right? I don't make you outright tell me what plays. I just ask you for a couple of thoughts. And we were going back and forth about Tommy, Tommy Cutlets as you, as you dropped in the text thread. And I absolutely love that. Tommy Lasagna, either way. And you said, hey, let's go with him. I think he's a little frisky. I think you might be able to get some fantasy points out of him. And I'll be goodness, Williams, you were absolutely right. And then the other game I want to touch on is that Titans game. I literally had turned the TV off, was getting ready to go upstairs. I was like, oh, this game's over. And then I looked down on my phone as I was brushing my teeth, and I saw that the Titans had won. I was like, what exactly happened here? Yeah, it was wild. It was wild. And, and you asked me, should I play Should I play Tommy, Tommy DeVito or Zach Wilson in fantasy? And I was wrong on that. I should have went Zach Wilson. That's how crazy week 14 was. I mean, Zach Wilson played maybe the game of his life uh, against the Texans. So, yeah, and then and then the just a brutal loss for the Dolphins. I don't care how many injuries you have on defense, you can't let Will Levis come in and just wreck you those last three minutes. I mean, my God, that was a that was just a brutal loss for the Dolphins and they're uh, them trying to get the one seed in the AFC. Chris, what was the uh, wildest game last week according to uh, your old man antics? Uh, wildest? I mean. I think I think the Ravens pulling out that game in overtime. That was a great game to watch. Uh, backup punt returner, emergency punt returner, first time doing an NFL game takes it to the house. I know that there was probably a block in the back on that play, but we know the refs are very inconsistent in the NFL this year. We can't trust them to call anything or or whatever. Um, I really enjoyed that game. That game was exciting to the very end. You didn't know which way it was going to go. The Rams are playing better now. Um, that, to me, was the most exciting game. Um, it's also proved, this past week has proved, that you desperately need a competent backup quarterback in the NFL these days. It's never been more apparent than it has been this season. We've seen way too many guys go out, way too many backups come in. I think you're going to see moving forward a lot more teams really taking pause and trying to put in that right guy at as the backup. Colts have been lucky. They got Minshew. Yeah, we do have Minshew. We'll get to a Colts check-in soon. Jimmy Jam, let's uh, give me your wildest game from last week. I know you're what you're most fired up about, and we'll get there very, very soon when you do your face and your heel, but what was the wildest game last week? All those ones Williams just touched on there. See, you and I like to talk about the definitions of words. The wildest game last week, Rod, was the 3-0 Vikings over Raiders because that was so unpredictable, uh, especially for someone, Rod, who started Josh Dobbs in a Money League playoff game. How about that? Ooh, man, Dobbs really hurt you. We rode that Dobbs train right up to the end, right? Like we were literally like, if, if let's not, let's go off the train analogy. I'm, I'm, I'm prone to do this where I'll go train. Then I'll go to no ship. Train so involved. 
Let's just go with ship. No train was involved. We are definitely the captains of the Dobbs ship because we rode it all the way into the iceberg. And let me tell you something. Josh Dobbs is probably never going to play for the Vikings again. Uh, he'll be on another team next year, and he'll win a couple games, I'm sure. He uh, might be on three teams between now could. and next year. But another another game that we didn't really talk about because it was happening as we were Josh recording Dobbs. this – Williams, the Patriots, and our boy Bailey Zappi, 21 to 18 over the Steelers. How about that one? Yeah, that was wild, man. I mean, uh, not very many people gave the Patriots a chance to win that game, but uh, they match up well with the Steelers, and Belichick has always had Tomlin's number, man, 10 and 3 versus Tomlin in, in the history. And this one was without Brady. So, uh, yeah, uh, Zeke, uh, Zeke had an awesome game. Uh, he's, he's fresh. He hasn't been used very much this year. And, uh, that Steelers, I, you may, this is so tough with, with the Steelers, man. You it's, Tomlin is terrible versus teams. He should win. And then he's absolutely fantastic versus teams. He shouldn't win. So, uh, beware, beware Colts fans. I know I'm not supposed to talk about the Steelers on this podcast anymore, but this is a classic raw, raw spot coming up this week. Tomlin. Listen, this is absolutely ridiculous. Ben Roethlisberger is coming out against the Steelers right now. I mean, listen, if Roethlisberger is going to break bad against the Steelers, there's an, an ugly stink in Pittsburgh, and it's not just the, the gangrenous wound healing on Cody Pickett. Cody Pickett, Kenny Pickett. Why did I just call him Cody? See, Cody exactly. Rhodes. This yeah, is why Cody Rhodes on the mind. This is ben, why I put a ban on the Steelers. Ben is doing it for the Steelers, though. This is the ultimate uh, – Bullet board material for Tomlin. You Mitch have Trubisky? Own quarterback Williams coming out. Mitch Trubisky. Oh, so dude, you're saying, I would, you're saying Roethlisberger's pulling a samurai here. He's falling on the sword for the Steelers. That's what you're saying is happening here, and he's not just trashing a completely terrible football team. I would be worried if I'm a Colts fan this week. I'm just you're always you. worried. You're the number one Colts hater. Listen, fine, let's get into it right now, Williams. You like to come on this podcast and take a big giant dump. All over all of us Colt fans. I don't know if it relates back to the Super Bowl where Peyton Manning beat your boy Rex Grossman. I don't know what it's all about, but I don't appreciate all this heat that you bring to the Colts. I don't get nearly fired up about anything on this podcast. I'm never yelling at anyone. I'm never making fun of anyone. I'm never telling anyone that they should stop talking about something. I never do that, but I'm fixing to do that to you about the Colts because this is unfair. I blame you for the loss last week. There's no fault in Gardner Minshew. He is perfect. He is our guy. We are riding for Minshew to the playoffs. There's no fault to Shane Steichen. Somehow you were at fault for the terrible, terrible Colts loss at the Bengals last week. And I'll tell you why you're at fault. You told me, don't worry about picking up Browning, Rod. He's a terrible <laughs> quarterback. I wouldn't think that guy's going to do anything other than look like Joe Montana carving up the Colts defense. Goodness gracious, Chris, what were your thoughts about our Colts last week? <sighs> I was disappointed. We had the perfect opportunity to almost take back that division from Houston. Houston went out and or Houston went out and lost. Jacksonville is who I meant to say we were going to catch up to. Jacksonville went out and got beat by Joe Flacco. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we had a perfect opportunity, and I felt we we squandered it. Our defense didn't show up. We did have that touchdown on the fourth corner that really kind of ruined any kind of comeback that we thought we were going to have um, on a holding call that I did not see a hold on that play. Um, but we have to be in a position to win that game, not be coming back from a 31 to 14 deficit. 
Jimmy Jam, rolling into halftime, you had to be a little bit like me thinking, okay, here we go. Colts, have, all right, this is the Colts team that we're going to see. And then coming out in the second half, we were just flat. What do you think happened here? They they were flat. They were not up for this game. They thought they had it in the bag because Joe Burrow wasn't there. Uh, they went away from the run again. I mean, Moss had 13 carries for 28 yards. You're not going to win if Zach, if Zach Moss does has 28 yards rushing. I'm sorry. What's going on? Listen, we need we haven't discussed what we're going to do for the Morganino Christmas this year. We haven't discussed if it's going to be a white elephant or whatnot. But what I would suggest is we need to get Jimmy one of those t-shirts, run the damn ball. All right. Cause that's yeah. the other thing that Jimmy talks about all the time. When the Bears come up, when the Colts come up, unfortunately, not when his Chargers come up. He wants the Chargers to throw the ball all over the yard and make it to the Super Bowl. But other than that, Jimmy says run the damn ball. Those are the two things Jimmy talks about on this podcast all the time. You know what else Jimmy talks about on this podcast quite often? This network, I mean, wrestling. And we bring wrestling to the football show because Jimmy gives you his face and his heel of the week. Good guy, bad guy. Jimmy, start us off on the good side. The face of the week, 28 to 13, dismantling of the Detroit Lions. Let's go Bears. The Chicago Bears and Justin Fields are my faces of the week. Why? Because the Bears won and Justin Fields solidified himself as your Starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears moving forward with a 19 of 33 for 223 yards and a touchdown. 12 carries, 58 yards and a touchdown. Let me tell you this. Justin Fields, he's my guy. Chris, our guy Jimmy just cut a promo right there, huh? Come on. I felt like we were in backstage with me, Gene Okerlund right there. Jimmy was just sounding off. I absolutely love it because you know I agree. I've been pro Justin Fields for a long time. The number one hater on this podcast, Josh Williams, definitely feels a different way, and we'll get to him here soon. But, Chris, you're a little bit more impartial than all of us. What do you think about the Bears just trouncing the Lions? You guys know I do pull for the Lions. I picked them to win this division. It was it was hard to see. I do know it's a division rival, so you never know what could happen in a division game. Um, it's always going to be fought hard. I did think the Lions overlooked this Bears team. Um, especially the defense. The defense for the Bears actually played like they should. Uh, they have been a different defensive team since Sweat got there, that's for sure. Uh, he has opened up that defense a lot. For Justin Fields, to hope I hope he gets, or for his sake, I hope he gets actual like good coaches to help him grow even more. Um, there are still flaws in his game, unfortunately. Um, that's enough. That's enough enough out of you. That's enough. I do think, I do think Jimmy kind of went back in time to 1985 for that promo because he was just talking like this is the 85 Bears and they're Super Bowl bound. Uh, No, 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 no. no, You've calmed down, first of all, Chris King. I have optimism in my veins right now. Okay. Does Justin Field hold the ball too long? Yeah, he does. Does he get hit hard every time he slides and no flag has been thrown this year. Yeah. yeah, he does. Those are two big, big worries that I have, okay? But if you have an offensive coordinator who comes in and says, hey, you know what? He holds the ball too long. What are we going to do? Not give him too long to hold the ball. That's something that can happen. I do not think that either the two quarterbacks or even the three top quarterbacks coming out are the next big thing. Justin Fields with a couple more weapons. Let's go. Jimmy Kuyper, Jimmy Kuyper Jr. over there. Williams, let me ask it to you this way. When your Bears make the playoffs as the seventh seed in the Let's NFC, go. what are you going to say to the Morgan Uno Nation when you come on the podcast after that is solidified? 
uh, if they do, that will be one of the worst NFC seven seeds of all time. Uh, look, we said in the text thread, Aaron Glenn's defense struggles versus mobile quarterbacks. This is why I like the Bears against the spread both games this year against Detroit. And guess what? They have covered both games. But I will say this. The Bears are allowed to have nice things at quarterback. And I think that's what Bears fans don't get. We are allowed to have nice things at quarterback. Why not get younger, healthier, and cheaper? with Caleb Williams. Listen to this list here and tell me if you can figure it out. Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Kurt Warner, Drew Brees, Roger Stahlback, Jim Kelly, Dan Marino, Ken Stabler, Fran Tarkington. What do all those quarterbacks have in common? Passed up by the Bears? Passed up by the Bears. And everybody else, Williams. Some of those people Passed were picked the in the Bears. fifth round. Get out of here. Roger Stallback get the shout out. Wonderful. Passed up by what the are you Bears. Talking about they passed up oh on Kurt God. Warner, too. Passed up by the Bears. The Bears are allowed. You know who else passed nice up things. on Kurt Warner? Kroger. Because he was bagging at an IGA <laughs> Foods, right? Literally a Kroger, Kroger passed up on him. They said, You're not good enough to bag groceries for us, Kurt Warner. You go to the IGA over here. Everybody passed on Kurt Warner. Hey. I'll say this. We took Cedric Benson over Aaron Rodgers. We took Mitch Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes. All I'm saying is that the Bears are allowed to have nice things at quarterback. The Bears fans do not realize this. They do not realize did, this. All right. We did not take Mitch Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes. We didn't. No one had Patrick Mahomes that high. We took Mitch Trubisky over Deshaun Watson. I thought they traded up for Watson. They should have picked Watson there. Obviously, things probably worked out better. Not going to lie. but. um. They should have picked Watson there. They they 100% should have. I'll give you that. They didn't pass up on Mahomes. I absolutely love it. Listen, I love seeing Bear fan on Bear fan crime, all right? <laughs> I absolutely love it because you guys, you Bear fans aren't usually that way, right? You guys usually, like, you start, oh, you know, Ditka, you know what I mean? You guys start bumping chess, eating sausages, you know what I mean? Things are ready to go for Bear fans, but you guys are just battling on this. Williams, I got to say, I see your point, okay? I see your point, but at some level – you have to just say, we have a team that we are moving forward with. All of these other ins and outs and younger and contracts and this, that, and the other. We have a team that we're moving forward with. I just, I believe in that. I think what we have seen across the NFL is with so much player movement, we have so much coach movement, and that's why we have such a fluctuation. I believe if you give a coach a couple of years, you might lay down a solid foundation and find yourself like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Are they the greatest team every year? No, but their fan base has an absolute chance of being in the playoffs and they are mostly a winning team. And I think we've lost sight of just being a winning team. And everybody says, you got to make a play that's going to win the Super Bowl. Of course you want to win the Super Bowl, but guess what? Only one team wins the Super Bowl. It takes a bunch of teams to try to win, to end up being in the competition to ultimately have one winner. And what's wrong with the Bears building upon what they have, Williams? I ask you that. What's the most beneficial thing in the NFL is to have a quarterback on a rookie scale with a solid defense. And if we get Ben Johnson or Bobby Slowick as our coach and Caleb Williams, and we're going to have another top 10 pick, I'll tell you what, you asked me a question about the Bears making the playoffs this year. The Bears would be a legit contender next year if all that stuff happens. 
and I'm not just being a Bears homer because you know I'm I'm the toughest on the Bears out of anybody on this whole podcast. But if the Bears did that, then they would be legit contenders. And what I'll, I'll ask you, what in the world has Justin Fields won in his career? All he does is he's a turnover machine. And all, all these guys keep on giving him excuses after excuses. He's a turnover machine. Here, here's the you, wait a minute, Chris. Wait. Hold on. Let me let me go here. Let me go here. Don't you make excuses for Justin Herbert on the regular? That dude doesn't win games. That guy's Mr. 500. Why? I mean, we make excuses for Justin Herbert all the time. Why can't we then turn around and make excuses for Justin Fields would be my retort there. Chris, you were going to say something. It's not – listen, the Bears organization does not have a problem with quarterback. What they have a problem with right now is what has – historically gotten the Bears to the Super Bowl with a chance to win, and that's their defense, all right? 1985, the best defense possibly of all time. Uh, 2006, when they got to the Super Bowl with a Rex Grossman at quarterback, it was Brian Urlacher and the defense that was leading that team. The Bears are an old NFL team. They have a history and a culture of great top-tier defenses that propel them to championships much like Pittsburgh has a history of great defenses leading them to championships. Where they are messing up is they're putting too much emphasis on this quarterback position when they have had a weak defense for the last couple years, uh, especially last year and the beginning of this year. It's starting to get better because they have a all-pro type defensive lineman. You get another linebacker, a, a top-tier secondary guy. You have a whole new defense that's not letting teams score points, and then you're – quarterback who takes too many hits or holds the ball on too long isn't as big of a deal the bears need to get back to what has made them great in the past they needed to and you know like really really take on that culture they used to have as a top defensive team in the nfl and they haven't been doing that that's their biggest problem all right, listen, we got plenty of time to argue about what the Bears should do at quarterback. I, I believe the Bears are going to be saddling up and surprising some people here at the end of the year and having a run at the playoffs because, as we saw last week, there's no there's no way we know exactly what's going to happen in any of these football games. So why not the Bears? Jimmy, let's talk about the one other big thing from the week last week, and I believe we're going to get into that with your heel. Yeah, my heel of the week is Williams. How dare you? Now, my heel of the week. Are all those idiots mad about the Kadarius Tony offsides call? That is the worst call in the history of, of, of the NFL, apparently. Or, or he was offsides by so much that the line judge had to move to see the ball. It was easy. It was a call made. Now, would this have been such a big deal if it was an incomplete pass or run up the middle for three yards or a sack? No, it wouldn't have been. Travis Kelsey made a fantastic play. Threw the ball to... Kadarius Tony, who, by the way, had about a yard advantage because he was off sides. So let's just calm down Patrick Mahomes just a little bit. Andy Reid, just a little bit here. He was off sides. It was the right call. And apparently he was off sides most of the game, so he got lucky the other times. Boo. Boo. He's, one, he's Boo. 100% correct. Of course he's 100% correct, but I don't care if he's correct. I don't care about offsides penalties. I care about TV. I care about cool endings. I care about the Chiefs being the number one dominant team. Let that play happen. That would have been the coolest play anybody's seen for 20 years. So what does he do? Just hold it and say, oh, it's incomplete. Now I'm going to throw the flag? Who cares? You can't do that. 
This is ridiculous. I can't You're believe ridiculous. that they wiped that play away. That was the coolest play I've seen in an NFL game in years. And they wiped it away with an offsides that I guarantee none of you noticed when it kicked off. So who cares? Music City Miracle was a better, great play of all time. Well, but I mean, that, yeah, but that was still an amazing play. Williams, come on. You're, come on. You're a rule maker. you got to be with me on this one. Music City Miracle. Shout out Frank Wycheck, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, all, all Kadarius Tony has to do is look to the left, put his arm out, yes. and the refs say, yeah, yeah, you're on sides. It's unless not that difficult. The, unless, you're on the, unless you're in the commanders and you do that, the ref still throws a flag. But you know otherwise, it's a yeah, much yeah. better conversation, us being able to talk about that play. That's what all of you guys are missing. Who cares about look to your left, look to your right, off sides, head start? Who cares? Wouldn't it have been so cool if we could have come on here and chopped up that play and the Chiefs with yet another comeback victory? If I'm it, for the story. If we if that play would have went went on with it and like they would have won that game, let's say we probably would have mentioned it, but we wouldn't have delved into it like we're delving into it now, Rod. I would submit that this is probably better clickbait entertainment for social media and the masses than if the play was successful. The play if the play was successful, it would have been a great story for about a week. Now we're gonna get longer than that because of the way Patrick Mahomes and then Andy Reid acted after the fact, especially Patrick Mahomes. All right. Well, let's, let's calm down too, right? Like, I mean, like people were just literally waiting around a corner for like the first time they could light Patrick Mahomes in effigy. And they're like, yes, boom, bam. And they pounced on it. Like, let's just calm down. The guy was a little mad about getting hosed on a stupid offsides call. Let's, let's calm down, right? Is he, is he mad? Is just taking a play out of the coach's playbook, Chris. What coach gets onto the podium and says, I really appreciate that call out of the official. That's the right call to be made, and we're a rules league. What coach says that? What are we talking about here? That would have been great, though. That would have been fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that was the right call. Our bad. <laughs> it would have been great. But let me ask you this. Is Patrick Mahomes really mad about that call, or is he more mad about his receivers not being able to catch a ball, messing up time after up. time, game after game, and ruining drives because they can't catch or they do something stupid or illegal. We've seen Tony do this multiple times this season, something weird, crazy that he should know better and has messed it up. I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy listen, I'm going to say it to you this way. I, I don't care. Maybe he's mad at Tony. Maybe he's mad at the refs. Maybe he's mad at his girlfriend at home for something that's going on there. I have absolutely no idea, but you know what I'm for? Him cutting promos. Let's do it. Give it to me, Jimmy. More promos. Let Mahomes cut promos on the refs on his opponents, have him cut a promo on Andy Reid. I don't care. Cut promos, Patrick Mahomes. You're the man. Do what you want. All right. You know, you're you're right. I do like the promos. And I do want to say I'm going to – I'm first time ever, I'm going to give the uh, the uh, the heel of the week for next week too is the former coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, Brandon Staley. That's all I'm going to say. We'll talk about the rest next week. <laughs> Look at Jimmy. Look at Jimmy giving a drop. Well, Chris, you've provided us with so many instances of what you don't know already. I'm excited for what you have cooked up for your weekly segment of what Chris doesn't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I've given you plenty of ammunition already, Rod. But I'm going to talk about my Cowboys, all right? You guys know I'm a Cowboys fan. And as a Cowboys fan right now, I should be more pumped, more excited than I've been in the last... 20 plus years to be honest with you we have the best scoring offense in the nfl the fourth best scoring defense in the nfl we are now atop our division with only three losses we are so close to catching up with san francisco if they falter a little bit 
but I don't know if I can trust this team. Listen, <laughs> we all know how the Cowboys have a history of not getting far in the playoffs over the last few decades, okay? And yes, that does make me worry. The other part is we are really healthy right now. We have all five of our starting offensive line that's healthy this late in the season for the first time in a long time. All our receivers are he- are, are healthy. Our skill players are all healthy. It's except for Trayvon Diggs on defense. The defense has been healthy for most of the year. I don't know what to expect from our Cowboys these next four games. I am worried about the game on Sunday with the Bills. You should be worried about that game with the Bills. I believe I was on the Bills making a charge to the playoffs there. But uh, Williams, you're our football handicapper here. What's your read on the Cowboys? Chris's Cowboys. How should he feel? I think the Cowboys are the second best team in the NFL. Um, and there hasn't been a better QB under pressure this year than Dak, believe it or not, if you go by the numbers. And uh, we last week we gave out a little hedge, uh, Dak to lead the lead the league in, in passing yards last week. He didn't do it, but you know who did? Brock Purdy. So it even it helped us even more in that uh, in the future bet that we took the previous week. But I think it's down to Dak per, or Dak Prescott and, and Brock Purdy for for the MVP. So I, I, it usually goes to the number one seed. Does San Francisco lose another game? I, I'm not sure. Uh, they do have Baltimore on the schedule, but uh, Dallas closes three out of the, uh, out of their last four on the road with some really tough games uh, coming up against at Buffalo and at Miami. So, um, yeah, and, and Dallas is much, much better at home this year. They're averaging twice as many points at home than on the road. Uh, they get into a, a real good cadence at home. Whereas on the road that it's, it's tougher for them to, uh, to get going. I don't know if it's crowd noise or what, or uh, you've seen those stats on the turf, the, the turf, they're almost unbeatable. So it's really important. And I think they have a shot to get the division uh, over Philly. I think Philly is leaking oil. So uh, I think Dallas could do this if they can just uh, get some road victories, but I don't know. It's going to come down to the wire here. Jimmy jam unbiased who you like better out of the East Eagles Cowboys. Oh, I like the Cowboys right now. The Eagles, Hurts is hurt. Uh, there's something going on with him. And if he's not at 100%, they're in big trouble. So I like the Cowboys right now. But, you know, as, as a Bears fan, Chris, I know where you're at. I understand where you're at. And you should be, you are right to be where you're at. You're the, okay. last, the last thing I ever want, Jimmy, is for you to say that Cowboys are favored. Okay? <laughs> That's a valid point. Valid point. By you the way, think- if you had if you had the over, the under tonight, you can go to bed because that's already out the window. But uh, no, uh, I'm sorry, Chris. But yeah, it, I, I get I, it, Chris. I get it. Listen, you have you have the tale of two different ways you can be a fan, right? Going into the playoffs, right? You got your Colts over here who we're playing with house money, right? We're just like it's all good. If we lose, we're kind of like oh, all right. We're not really expected to get there anyway. But your Cowboys, it's a whole different thing. You're supposed to be good, and you may end up coming in as the five seed because you might not be able to unseat the Eagles even playing this good. It's absolutely crazy. You're like, you're the two different ways fans can be going into the playoffs. Chris, I feel for you. Yeah, I should be happy. Listen, this is, this is probably the best team we've had since the Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin years. Like I know I was a fan of Romo. We had some great teams then even with Zeke, but like, like this is a really, really good team. And Back back on those on those three Super Bowls in four years, like I was excited every year. I was pumped. I was like, no one's going to beat us, and I we I was usually right, but like I can't do that this year. It makes me nervous. And Dak's finally playing as good as what he's supposed to be playing. 
Our defense has stepped up significantly. Stephen Stephen Gilmore's probably one ended up going to be one of the better offseason signings in the NFL this past year. So like I should be stellar play at cornerback, man. They have absolutely no reason to keep that guy on the team. They have some stellar play (laughs) at cornerback, man. Goodness gracious. Yeah. No, listen, Chris, fine. You don't have to gush over your Cowboys anymore. We get it. Let's roll in to the picks from this week. And Williams is nice enough to give you a chance to make a play on Saturday. And if that goes wrong for you, make a play on Sunday. And if all else fails, throw that Hail Mary for a play on Monday. The rare every game on the every day on the weekend card from our guy Williams. Give us the first one. Yeah, I'll preface this by saying this is a really tough week. Um, but let's go. Let's start off with Saturday. I'm gonna take the Minnesota Vikings plus three and a half, minus 120 on DK. Uh, nice if you can get the hook here. It's down to plus three just about everywhere else. But listen, the Vikes are sixth in DVOA on defense, top seventh in both the run and the pass on the year. What a job Brian Flores has done with this D. I know it was the Raiders last week, but he posted a shutout. I thought he would confuse O'Connell with his exotic blitz packages last week, and that proved to be correct. And I ask, why can't it be the same this week? Uh, he's going up against another rookie quarterback in Browning who, yes, has looked great in the last two weeks, but on Saturday when he sees this Vikings D and the schemes they run, it's going to be a shock to the system, in my opinion. You're saying he's a little better than the Colts D, Williams? Is that what you're telling us here? Uh, Yeah, I that's what I'm saying. Uh, And listen, the Saturday road teams over the last two decades, this was interesting, 62% against the spread, and that's over 100 games. That's that's not a small sample size there. So Saturday road teams, something to to, to, – notice for for these these uh saturday games coming up also 63 percent of the handles on the vikes here even better 77 percent of the money is on minnesota uh sharp money has taken this down from four and a half to three and while i hate not getting the best number here i think there is still value because it's two backup quarterbacks in brownie and mullins so you say that that should be a close to a wash if you play these numbers out for an extended amount of time so then you look at what you know what d is better and unquivocal unquivocally, I think it's been the Vikings. The Bengals D this year, after losing their top two safeties, have really taken a dip from last year's squad. Uh, minor thing here, but every little thing helps. Bill Vinovich's crew is calling this game. He's consistently been the ref that has called the fewest roughing the pass or penalties. Why is that important? I'm getting the more aggressive D here. And I love this stat because I think the Vikings are going to get to Browning a lot on Saturday. I'm a lot less worried about a bunk personal foul roughing the passer call now than I would be with another crew. Also, when you take a dog, ideally you want fewer points scored. Since 2016, Vinovich is 71, 42, and 3 to the under in his career. That's 63%. So that's another thing Another thing on our side. Give me the Vikings plus 3.5 on Saturday. All right, but I am, I am I reading you correctly here that you think Vinny, Vinny, Vinovich might be hurting Jimmy's last-minute Hail Mary of playing Nick Mullins at quarterback in his fantasy playoffs? I mean, I, Nick Mullins at least has a – um, a good offensive quarter or a good offensive mind calling some plays here. I mean, <laughs> listen, the Dobbs thing, I, I tried to tell everybody the Dobbs thing was so up and down, man. Again, I mean, you're the I'm number not, one hater on this podcast. You're just totally coming in as the number I'm one not. hater on this podcast. But we love, we love Dobbs. We love Dobbs, but then he went up and down and just like, just unbelievable with the, now he might be out of the league. It's just unbelievable how how the NFL is, man. So I think there's a little bit difference here between Dobbs and, like, let's say Browning. Let me give you some numbers here, Williams. Since Browntown took over for Joey Cool, Browntown, <laughs> Brown <laughs> get over, out of here. 
took over for uh, Joe Burrow against Baltimore. His quarterback rating in the Baltimore game was 93.8. Against Pittsburgh, 96.2. Against Jacksonville, 115.5. And against Indianapolis, 122.7. His passer rating is going up every single game. He has already thrown for over 900 yards in the past three games. This dude just seems to be getting more and more confident. You're not worried about him at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm worried, but I think the more uh, I think w- what we've seen from these backup quarterbacks is the more tape that that we see on these guys, um, the more these defenses just go to town on them, and and especially a, a defense like Brian Flores's D. I mean, he has not seen these exotic schemes yet, um, but yeah, it is worrisome. That, like I said, this is a really tough card this week, so you got to you got to try and pick your spots wisely. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, trying to soften your landing there. I get you, Williams. All right, let's go on to my guy, everybody's guy. He used to work on the docks. The union went on strike. Now he's playing quarterback for the Giants. It's our boy Tommy DeVito taking on those lowly, lowly New Orleans Saints who pissed me off by playing Derek Carr. I mean, honestly, what are we doing with Derek Carr? Just put Jameis in there. Yeah, I uh, thank you. Uh I know this is not the greatest spot but I'm taking the Giants plus six minus 110 on Caesars or MGM. Tommy, Tommy. <laughs> I mean, you're coming off a big Monday night win here. Come back in the last seconds to beat the pack. Everybody is eating Tommy's mom's lasagna this week, feeling fat and happy. We're also backing the Giants team this week after three straight wins, which is not ideal either. I get it. I get it. This is not an ideal spot. This is not a traditional Williams spot here. So why am I taking the Giants team? This is just a fade on this Saints team. Six points. Six points. This putrid Saints team is going to lay. Putrid. I mean, uh, I, I, have to, I, I have to bet against them just on principle. The final score of that Saints-Panthers game was misleading. I know I went against the Saints yeah. last week, and the Panthers just continued to shit the bed for me. Panthers had the ball at the two-yard line, first and goal, couldn't get in the end zone after a penalty. You guys probably don't realize this because you, why would anyone watch the Panthers and the Saints last week? But with three minutes left in the first quarter, <laughs> for the rest of the game, get this, for the rest of the game, the Panthers punted a grand total of zero times. They scored six points. You say, Williams, how is that possible? They didn't score a touchdown, had only six points, and Bryce Young didn't throw a pick. Think about that. Punted zero times. Panthers were one for seven on fourth downs. I don't think that good a fortune continues for New Orleans. We've also seen this Saints team play much better on the road than at home this year. Up until last week, they had lost three of four at home. Meanwhile, the Giants seem to play better on the road than at home in recent years. And if you take out that new coach bump that they were going against a few weeks ago out in Vegas, the Giants are 2-0 and straight up on the road when facing a team under 500. We don't need to win out right here. We're getting six points. Lastly, Derek Carr is a favorite. Rod, you're going to love these stats. Derek Carr is a favorite. 19-37 and against the spread, yeah. 34%. That's putrid. As a fave of a field goal or more, Derek Carr only nine and twenty-six against the spread. That's twenty-five percent. He's failing to cover by five points per game. Saints play a ton of man coverage. The Giants' offense has been better versus man versus zone. And ref stats: Carl Sheffers is calling this game. He throws a ton of flags, just kind of unlike just the opposite of Bill Venovich. Why is that important? The Saints are bottom six in the league in net yards from penalties, while the Giants are top ten in that same category. And similar to the first game, 63% of the handles on the Giants, 76% of the cash is on the G-Man. Give me the, give me New York plus six on Sunday. Jimmy Jam, 
Tommy doesn't shine shoes anymore. Perhaps you didn't hear. He doesn't shine shoes anymore. That's not what he does. He plays quarterback for the Giants. Do you are you gonna not like this story if they take the final playoff spot in the NFC over your Bears, or are you still all in for Tommy Lasagna? Uh, he doesn't need to get a shine box. He he probably needs to get an apartment. But anyway, yeah, he he's a great story. And yes, I'll be upset if they take the Bears spot. But how cool would that be for the Giants to come back to get to nine and eight? and get in the playoffs. I mean, after everything they've been through, uh, I think that would be a fantastic it, This is the NFC. They may get into the playoffs at 8-9, and nine, Jim, to be honest. <laughs> all right? And here's here's just a little funny stat um, about the Saints, okay? They're in third place in this tank division, as I like to call it. Um, <laughs> they have the best scoring offense in this division, the best scoring defense in this in this division, and the only team in this division to have a positive point differential. And they are horrible. Oh, they are so bad. I should call them a turd of a football team and see if that turns them around. But then, I, then that means they're going to take out my guy Baker, who I think maybe still is going to sneak in and win this division. But Williams, you probably still think Arthur Smith and his guys in Atlanta are going to take it, don't you? Man, I just... Who know the NFC South this year needs, needs to just go away. Guess look at what they are. Relegate them. Relegate them. Relegate. Oh, stop it, Chris. What, NFC South against the spread this year: eleven and twenty-five versus other divisions. They're forty-six, seventy-nine, and two over the last three years versus other divisions. They own three of the four worst ATS records in the league this year. I mean, this this division has been an absolute joke. Ugh, let's move on from it then, and let's get our final game, and let's take those E. A-G-L-E-S, Eagles versus those Seahawks who have had me riding the roller coaster all year long. I sing their praises. I trash them. I sing their praises again. I trash them. Who knows what to expect out of the Seahawks team? Williams, what do you got? Yeah, we finally get to root for fun here on a Monday night. We're going Philly, Seattle over yes. 47 and a half, minus 110 on MGM. Right before we came on here to record, there was some sharp money that took Seattle down from plus four to plus three. Now on DK, the total also moved up a point uh, with that with that money moving up to 48 and a half. The line moved for Seattle on the other books down to plus three, but for now the total has stayed at 47 and a half. So I think there's some value there. Sometimes books are a little late to move the total or they just don't anticipate a move in coming on the total but I think there is one coming for this game uh, for Philly. This ends up, this ends the gauntlet scheduling that they had to go through. And this is a massive step down in defenses that they will face here. They recently had to face the Cowboys D bills D chiefs D the Niners D and then the Cowboys D again, this Seattle D has been given up chunk yardage more times than not lately. They also get an extra day to prepare as this game is on Monday night. And on the other side, this is a must-get game for Seattle, man. And and who on this Eagles secondary is stopping the the Seahawks wide receiver core? DK Metcalf has an advantage with his matchup. Tyler Lockett has an advantage with his matchup. DK J- Metcalf might be stopping himself. Yeah, that's a true. little bit of Draymond Green streak in him up there at Seattle. He needs to calm down a little bit. He does need to calm down. JSN has an advantage with his matchup, though, also. And you know, you know that Pete Carroll will have his guys ready to go as an underdog on primetime. Coach of the losing- year, Pete Carroll, Williams. Coach <laughs> of the year, Pete Carroll. After losing four in a row. And just like Philly, this is a huge step down for Seattle and who they've had to face on D the last three weeks. They've had to face the Niners twice and the Cowboys. So, yeah, should be decent conditions in Seattle. Both teams need this game bad. Both teams' Ds have been leaking oil. Give me the over 47.5 here. I mean, this game can't be 24-24 or 27-21 in the fourth quarter. We win both those outcomes. So, yeah, we finally get to root for fun here, finally taking an over in 2023. 
Chris, you're going to be looking to the Pacific Northwest. I have a feeling watching that game with some uh, severe interest as a Cowboys fan. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, listen, I was I was living in Pittsburgh, rooting for Seattle against the Steelers in that Super Bowl. So I am going to be rooting for the Seahawks again. Um, I don't I don't think they can pull out the win, but I hope I hope it is a fun, exciting, high scoring game. Give us give us a game like the Ravens Rams from last week. There we go, Jimmy. We always want to see good games. And you know what else we want to do, Jimmy? We want to get Williams giving us the street segment that has the people fired up. And you know why they like it, Jimmy? Contrary to what you say, they like it because of my intro where I tell them that it is time for Futures Market Watch. Okay, yeah, so I'm not going to say what we're taking here. I'm going to have you guys guess. I think there's four guys in this category that could possibly win Coach of the Year. Now, three of them Brandon are, Staley, next question. are pretty, pretty low odds, but I'm going to take a long shot here. The reason why is I think the three coaches in front of him could all lose this week, and that's Houston, Denver, and, yes, your Indianapolis Colts. So, who does that leave as the fourth maybe wild card? That leaves Kevin Stefanski at 14 to 1 with the Browns. Listen to the schedule he has left. He gets to play maybe Davis Mills, maybe a concussed CJ Stroud. He gets Zach Wilson off short rest. He gets Jake Browning after the league has AFC player of the week, Zach Wilson, show some respect. Yeah, and he gets Justin Fields at home this week. Now, the defense is a little banged up, but uh, you you may ask, well, Williams, he's already won Coach of the Year. He's not going to win it again, but I will give you this. Since 2003, listen to these guys who have won this award multiple times. Hoodie, Hoodie has won this multiple times. He's won it three times, actually, since 2003. 2000. You hear that, Chris? Three times. Three times Coach of the Year, Chris. <laughs> 2010 and 2012, Bruce Arians has won it twice. 2013 and 2015, Ron Rivera won it. And so why not Stefanski in 2020 and 2023? Listen, the Browns are down to their fourth quarterback. Wizzy Wacko Joe Flacco is flinging this ball around. I mean, come on. Flacco's probably like top 10 quarterback right now in the league. That's how sad the situation is across the league. They've had all kinds of injuries. And check this out. They still have a chance to win this division. I just told you the quarterbacks that they face, they're two games behind Baltimore. Baltimore still has to play at Jacksonville, at San Francisco, and versus Miami. And, oh, yeah, they end the year versus Tomlin, who he will be a dog in that game. And we know how good Tomlin is as a dog. I'm t- Baltimore is has not wrapped this up yet. And if Cleveland somehow wins this division, why can't Kevin Stefanski at 14-1 win Coach of the Year? And also, we have had luck with the number 14. Last year, we gave out Jeff- Justin Jefferson 14-1 to to win AP Offensive Player of the Year. That hit. And now this year, we have tremendous value on Brock Purdy 14-1, to the MVP. Why can't Kevin Stefanski win Coach of the Year 14-1 to on DK? I ask you, why not? I'll tell you why not. And here's, I like your theory of multiple times winning, right? But I think there's another guy who might qualify for his second coach of the year if their team makes the playoffs. And that is one Sean McVay, right? I think there's going to be a lot of talk about how good of a job he has done. Guys that were undrafted, they traded away so many of their high draft picks. So a lot of the guys that have broke for them are late round dudes. Matthew Stafford's injured, banged up, right? I just think you might be getting a little bit of, McVeigh because uh, he's the big shiny name, right, Jimmy? And uh, 
and people like to vote for the shiny names, don't they? They do, and I know you're you're talking about long shots. Uh, would Mike McCarthy be a long shot? I think he's plus. He's he's pretty low on there right now. I think that might be a a pretty good long shot. But I, like I think McCarthy's the number one coach across the league that like everybody except sucks, right? Like, and I feel bad for Mike McCarthy. You know what I mean? But it just generally seems that like everybody says he's a bad coach, and the Dallas wins despite him. It just kind of seems like that's the narrative. I mean. He got a lot of heat and people didn't think it was going to work out when he took over play calling duties, essentially as the offensive coordinator now, but they have been successful. Um, and yeah, Dallas has talent, but I, I think you got to Listen, there's been a lot of great coaching this year. There's been a lot of bad coaching, but we, there's been a lot of good coaching. You got to give credit to Sean Payton for turning around Denver as well as he has this year, just this mm-hmm. year alone. Bad coaching. Shout out Frank Reich. You were thought of. There we go. I got my Frank Reich shot in there out of nowhere. We will now say goodbye to our guy, the handicapper, Josh Williams. Josh, next week will be our big Christmas spectacular. Do you have any special presents you're going to bring for the listeners next week? Anything like that that we can promise that we're that that we're going to drop for folks that they they'll be listening to this uh, right right going into the big Christmas weekend? I have a. I have a preview or, or a breakdown that I've been holding for about 10 weeks on this podcast. And it also ties into a possible future bet depending on what happens this week. But I've been holding this breakdown for 10 weeks and I'm, I'm hoping that it, that it hits, but uh, yeah, it's uh it's, I'll give you a hint. It's in the NFC. So maybe you guys can figure, and it has, it has something to do with a very important game that was played about five or six years ago. So, uh, give you some mysterious hints there what a tease nice i like that dude a 10 week cooking breakdown that's the kind of stuff that handicappers are made of he's our guy but he doesn't like basketball so he's gonna go and we're gonna come back and our man jimmy jim risk is gonna lead chris and i through the nba fast break Welcome to the Fast Break, the fastest 15 minutes in the NBA. I am Jimmy. Rod is here. Chris is here. And we're going to start the Fast Break like we always do with our NBA Wins League recap for the past week. Didn't have as many games as we usually do. I will tell you this. Rod and Chris, each of us had at least one team, if not two, that I did not have to change the wins for. Give it up for the Detroit Pistons, who for the fourth week in a row, I think, have two wins. Give it up for our Golden State Warriors for my squad, who haven't won a game this week. And then Chris King, your Wizards. Woo, baby, three wins. Let's go, Chris King, for your Wizards. But, Rod, you are the seller dweller this week. Mm-hmm. Rod's squad had 112 wins. Uh, Celtics and Lakers did pretty good for you. Hawks haven't done anything at all. No. Sixers had a couple good wins, too, for you, bud. Yeah, listen, those like those are my three squads basically. Like every other kind of like mid-card guy that I was betting on is just not going my way. I was all like, book it, Quinn Snyder, regular season wins, not really working out in uh in Atlanta for me there. And I was like, oh no, come on, Detroit. Even when you gave me Detroit, Jimmy, and then give somebody a terrible team, I was like, Oh no, come on, Monty Williams, Cade Cunningham, they'll be fine. I knowingly walked into the San Antonio Spurs situation. So I mean it's just not good. you know. It's just all around not good out of me. I, I, I fancy myself knowing a thing or two about the NBA, and when you bring up the wins total, it just proves I really don't know anything. Hey, big shout-out to you for picking the Timberwolves seventh 
Uh, it's kind of like, you know, how the Bears uh, passed on Jim Kelly and Tom Brady. Uh, a lot of us <laughs> passed on the Timberwolves, too. So uh, they had 17 wins. But, Rod, your Spurs and your Hornets, your last two picks had 10 wins total for the season. My final two picks have 20, and Chris King's have 19. So that's a big hill to climb for you. Chris King, your Milwaukee Bucks, 17 wins, doing pretty good. Grizzlies, though, still killing you with six wins. Uh, Bulls had a nice little run there. Nine wins for you. How are you feeling about your squad? 113 wins on the season. Chris, one game win or one game up over Rod. Uh, it is still very early in this NBA season. We are just a quarter of the way through, essentially. Um, so a lot can change, just like a all NBA talent coming back to one of my teams the next week with the Zach rest Levine, of the team. Yeah, maybe in the next week coming back. Oh. <laughs> uh, I think you know who I'm talking about. It's it's the Memphis Grizzlies and John Morant. Marcus Smart seems to be getting healthy. We get Steven Adams back. Maybe we can turn this this season around and get an additional 35 wins out of this team. Maybe. Okay, That's so Levine, I, that was great. That was a great. Zach that was Levine. great. I have a 10 game lead at 123 wins. And it's kind of apropos that I have the Clippers on my squad because I think I'm going to start sitting some people. I've got enough of a cushion. I can sit some people and get up for the rest of the season. The Clippers, uh, 13 wins on the season. The Oklahoma City Thunder with 15. Even after a couple of bad games by the Nuggets, they're still at 16 wins. Uh, my Pelicans, big 14 wins for them. And the Rockets, let's go. 12 wins for my Rockets. I'm very excited for that. Zion took it personally that people said he was a little out of shape in that final four. He said, all right, fine. Going to score 36. Rod, I think we need to get like an outside auditor to make sure Jimmy's doing his math correctly. Ten wins above us seems a little bit off to me. He's cooking us, man. There's no doubt about it. But when he starts rattling off those teams that he's got, it definitely makes sense, right? Like, I literally am just the the Wolves, the Sixers, Celtics, and Lakers. That's it. Those are the only teams that are moving my wins total. Yeah, I mean, listen, I got the Bucks and the Mavs right now. I think they're the ones moving mine the most. Uh, my uh, my eighth-round pick, the Orlando Magic, say 16 See, wins. They're like the second-best team in the East, and he picked them eighth. Yeah, I know it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Well, so, you you picked the Timberwolves seven, so both of you guys have something over me. So we have so many stories to go through. Um, I I think I'm, we're going to start. Listen, my 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 podcast. Uh, uh, what is this called? A hosting gig here, Draymond Green. It was so interesting that the Bill Simmons podcast this week, Bill Simmons and Doc Rivers had a really good discussion about Green, and Simmons said you got to be careful because he might go off at some point next night. He punches my boy, Yusuf Nurkic, actually more Wu-Tang's boy, Yusuf Nurkic, right in the face, okay? For those of you who are AEW wrestling fans and Chris Jericho fans, that's called the Judas effect is what he did. That is an actual Rod wrestling finishing move that he did on another NBA player. Well, of course, I've never seen it done in AEW. I'm not entirely sure what this AEW is that you speak of, but professional wrestling is pretty cool. Perhaps people should check out the WWE where they do it better. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Chris King, uh, Draymond said he was a little nervous, a little, little upset that Nurkic was was grabbing him, um, and he just kind of flails his arms, didn't really mean to punch him. Chris, uh, have you seen the replay on that by chance? Yeah, no, I've seen it. I've seen... What grab? That I've seen every dirty backhanded type play that Draymond has done in his 12 plus years in the league. Okay. This isn't something that's new. 
Um, I thought it was a bit telling that he comes out and says, I was trying to flail my arms to get a call, which means he has admitted to flopping his entire career. Um, we have seen him kick guys in the groin multiple times. We have seen him stomp people in the chest multiple times. Um, I think, and I didn't say much when this happened against uh, the Wolves um, a few weeks ago when he got the five-game suspension. I didn't talk much during that pod about this, but like, I really thought the NBA messed up. I think it needed to be a longer suspension, um, a larger fine, something to do. They have let this go on too long and made it a, a untenable type thing. And this goes back years, all right? They talk about now they're giving him an indefinite suspension because he has a history of this. They should have been doing this three years ago, or let alone, how about last year's playoffs when he stomped Sabonis in the chest? All right? We have seen this time and time again. And, like, the the NBA not punishing him when he has done this in the past is what's really egregious to me. I mean, they gave Bobby Portis eight games for punching another teammate in a fight during practice, yet last year – Draymond sucker punches a teammate in practice and gets essentially his hand slapped by the NBA. If that, all right, like they have allowed this to continue. I am happy that this has happened. I think it's better for golden state in the long run. They're going to learn that they need to do something different with their roster construction, especially with their starters, because they have some issues and Draymond does not help that team anymore. I'm sorry. He doesn't. He, he had already played 17 minutes in that game before being ejected, and he had two points, a board, um, a steal, and maybe one assist. Chris, listen, I'm, I'm not going to push back against you here. I'm going to say that hooray for a whole lot of what you're saying there, but I think you have the wrong people in the crosshairs here, and this is the folks that were not catching any scorn in any of this situation, and that's the Golden State Warriors. The NBA has suspended him as much as they can. I mean, literally, if you look back the way that they've done it and now going up to this indefinite suspension, which I'll also be honest, I don't like. I don't like that it's an indefinite suspension. I think Draymond deserves a huge punishment, but I don't like indefinite suspensions because that sets a precedent where then you can set another guy down and you already have an in So I don't like indefinite. But where are the Golden State Warriors in any of this? In any of this, Chris, they're standing. Be, they're standing behind their man, Rod. Well, then fine. Well, they should get find themselves. He's, they should get find themselves. I agree. I agree. I don't. I don't disagree with you. I was hoping one of you would bring up the Warriors as something to blame too, because it's just, just like they came out and said, "Listen, we're going to stand behind Draymond. We're not going to leave him out. Like we, he has helped us hang a lot of banners." Well, they changed our... their tune a little bit because I think they're finally realizing, and all of us are parents here on the podcast. Okay. And I'm going to make the analogy this way. All right. Sometimes you'll be out in public and you'll see a kid just fire back at his parents with a curse word, all types of disrespect. Right. And all of a sudden that parent will have this look of horror on their face. Like, oh, my God, where did that come from? And somewhere in the back of your mind, you're like, no, 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 no. This ain't the first time that kid's done this to you and you didn't do anything about it at home. So you shouldn't be the least damn bit surprised that now he pulled it on you here in the lows. And that's exactly what's going on with Draymond here, Chris, because you said it. He punched Jordan Poole in the face. 
everybody on that team saw it and he didn't even get suspended by the team. They just trucked him out there for ring ceremony. And then they gave him a four year, $100 million contract the next year and shipped the guy that he punched out of town. So when's Draymond Green ever going to sit back and do anything for the Warriors? Never. He's a selfish SOB who's tanking that team. And it's time for Steph Curry to come out and make something happen. Yeah, you got to put some blame on Steph because he's not coming out there. No, no, and, no, I'm not putting any and, blame on Steph, but it's time for him to come out and say it now. Oh, he had he he's been backing Green up this entire time. Last of year, he's backing the- Green up, Chris, because Green has his back. You're going out on the court. You want a guy like Draymond Green with you, but now it's time for Steph to realize you, that you watch your te- you watch your teammate punch another teammate, and you don't say what he did was wrong. You you watch him stomp another player in the chest during a playoff game, putting that game at risk to lose, and when he walks over to the sideline chanting at the crowd because he doesn't care you give him a high five that's not the type of leader that that the warriors need oh, so please, Curry earlier does. in this podcast you were killing patrick mahomes for bitching about that call after the game and the minute steph curry comes on and says draymond green's this draymond green's that you're gonna kill him for not backing his teammate this is ridiculous man well listen i have I've been real disappointed in the NBA this week, all right? I was three days ago, I was excited for this podcast. We had a great in-season tournament. Yep. We had viewership up those last few games for the in-season tournament. We saw some of our favorite teams play well. The Pacers getting into the championship game. It felt like the playoffs. And now we see why the NBA has such a public relations problem when we have night after night prima donnas, people being extra violent or whatever you want to call it over and over. So now instead of celebrating the NBA this week, we have to do this. All right. So speaking of prima donnas, Chris, I think I know where you're going with your story of the week. Let's talk about it. Yeah, that's Giannis. All right. Wow. And, and listen, if Giannis, there's like venom coming through the screen right now out of Chris. I love this. Giannis wants to talk about playing hard and 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 winning the game. I mean, he didn't do enough in the in-season tournament when it was actually meaning something. Instead, he waited till essentially a meaningless December game. All right. I applaud him. Listen, Giannis is a great player, future Hall of Famer, MVP, but I don't care who you are on an NBA roster. You can't be running into the hallway and locker room of the opposing team after a game, cussing people out for a game ball that you should be a professional enough. He's been in the league a long time. You need to talk to your equipment guys, your assistant coaches, somebody in your organization. All right. There's two game balls. All right. The Pacers don't need the original game ball. And if we want to get into it, I don't think they did, but Giannis and this, he has a history of this, too. We saw it in Philadelphia last year when he threw the ladder off the court and almost hit somebody because he wanted to practice free throws after losing a game. He is a professional. He's supposed to be one of the future faces of the league. He cannot be doing this. He had a historic night, and it's essentially tarnished in my eyes and a lot of people's eyes now by the way he acted after that game. All right, Chris. Yeah, it's definitely tarnished for sure. And uh, the reason why this all happened is because one of the Pacers rookies, uh, Oscar, how do you say his last name, Chris? Ashibwe. Thank you. Um, Scored his first basket. They wanted to give him the ball. Okay, apparently there's two game balls. I didn't know there's two game balls. Who the heck cares, right? Giannis cared. Um, 
I think it really did. It, it so got overblown. Carlisle was really nice after the uh, after the incident. Kind of talked about everything that happens. Like there, people came back, were yelling and screaming at us. It's one of those things, Chris. I think Rod, Chris was right. They should have just gone to their 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 equipment managers, gotten together. They would have figured something out. And now Giannis is even saying, "I don't know if it's the right ball. Could be any ball. I dribbled it. I don't know." Listen, man, I'm for the story. I'm for the yeah, story. Yeah, no, it's a great story. Rick Carlisle's a prickly SOB, man. All right, he can come into the post-game press conference and sound all nice and magnanimous and old man sunshine like he's trying to put off these days. But Carlisle has a history of being a prickly dude. I guarantee the minute Giannis fired back there and probably a tone that he didn't have to, Rick Carlisle probably fired right back at him with the double stone cold, double bird salute because that's how Rick Carlisle gets down. And so these teams hate each other. Let's have yes. them meet up in the playoffs again. But I'll tell you who that's bad for. That's bad for Indiana because they've given up 116 points to Giannis in the last two times they played him. They've also beat him two out of three times already this year, though. But this is what makes for a good rivalry, like Rod said. The next time it's... they play? Are you kidding me? Well, they played two times in a row, January 1st and January 3rd, uh, home and home games. And, and yeah, it's, yes. it's, it's, I like the rivalry, but listen – the casual NBA fan, the people that NBA needs to get watching more NBA games, don't like this type of behavior after a game. Are you going to mention at any point that Giannis scored his career high and he has a bit of a claim to the game ball? Are we even going to mention that? I said it was a record-breaking night. He was fantastic. I give Bucks him all the too. props. Yeah, But there's two game balls. Talk we to couldn't your even coaches. pronounce the other Talk dude's last you. name. I'm sorry. Oh. You're Giannis. You get the game I ball. Oh, I did pronounce it. No, you did. Correctly. You did. No one else could. No, no. You were great with it. I knew you would know that. Rod He's got no a name like could. Giannis Antetokounmpo, but we know how to pronounce it. So, therefore, he gets the game ball because he's the big deal. This and other Rick dude doesn't Carlisle matter. said it himself. He can have the game ball. We'll take the second one. It's not that big of a deal. Why didn't Rick Carlisle put this guy in to get another basket and then give him that game ball? Giannis gets the game ball because Giannis is the man. Then the Bucks should have made sure that they got the game ball correct. And if you look at the tape, the Bucks did have the game ball. Damian Lillard shot that three after the buzzer sounded. The ref got that rebound, handed it directly to a Bucks staffer. So it sounds to me that that Giannis should have went over and friggin' did the rock bottom to Dame Lillard because it sounds like this whole thing was his fault. Well, and then why are you so jealous? And Giannis himself said in the post-game press conference that he was going to give the ball to Dame because he passed Kyle Korver to be fifth all-time in three-pointers, all right? So where's Giannis? That's Giannis lying. That's Giannis just telling the story. Exactly. So why should I care what Giannis has to say? All I know is because that he's I have a two-time MVP and an NBA champion, and, and possibly he one should of the know better. He should know better than to act that way. When Jordan oh, wanted to know ball, better, he made sure he got the ball. If Gian- Giannis didn't even get the you ball, you should know from better his... than getting this fired up with your old heart. But look at you, yeah, Giannis, I like Giannis it. also admitted in the post-game press conference that he didn't get the ball from his record-setting Game Six performance to win the NBA title when he scored fifty. Do you yeah, want to know why? Because he got that. an NBA championship. That's why. Yep. Jordan made sure to keep his ball. If you want the ball, get the ball, or make sure your team knows you want the ball, all right? You That's what you're trying to do, but you're yelling at him for it. Because why he rushed into me, the opposing locker room, all right? That's, That's what where you can't the ball do. Was. No, it wasn't. It wasn't there. I take my rightful place at the head of the table. Believe that.
All right, here's my Rodham Nation. Chris is crazy, but I'm going to leave him be now. Jimmy called out idiot fans of the NFL in this earlier segment, and I'm going to call out idiot NBA media types and Twitter types, all right? The Lakers are allowed to celebrate. I'm sorry. If we want people to care about winning NBA games, the Lakers are allowed to celebrate winning the first ever in-season tournament. And I'll tell you something else. I kind of feel like they maybe were told they had to because let's think about the alternative here, all right? What do you want the Lakers to do? Win this thing that the league spent all of this money on, all of this promotion for, putting into Las Vegas, bringing celebrities courtside, crossing over ESPN and TNT and making this seem seem like the biggest deal, and then LeBron and the Lakers just grab the ball and walk off the court? No, you absolutely cannot have that. So let's not make fun of the Lakers for celebrating something that was a big deal. Competition is what we want. And damn it, if the Lakers want to raise a little banner, they can raise a little banner. It's fine. I'm a fan of the Indianapolis Colts. We have some pretty sad banners hanging in Lucas Oil Field. It's okay to hang a banner for whatever you want. It's your building. It's your franchise. Do what you want. It's They're all haters, Rod. They're all haters. Because their teams didn't get to the elimination rounds. Their teams didn't win that championship. And you may be right. Maybe they were kind of told, like, you have to have some type of, of – off day celebration in your city for this like it may be a requirement but fine great i guarantee you i would have been so pumped that the pacers would have won that game and they had a little parade around the circle in downtown indy or something similar i would have been all oh, for it yeah, yeah let them celebrate sure. i'm 100 with you rod let them celebrate it was a, it I, was a big deal shout out to anthony davis too the look on his face was amazing he's like i'm killing everyone and he did uh, he did a really good job and this just shows that the pacers have a good team but they need to get some interior defense because the, the the lakers scored way too many points i think 80 some odd points from the from the paint and um they need to get they need to make a couple trades the pacers uh real quick, just made that they just made that signing right uh oh what's his name I don't know. They just signed a guy that's kind of an interior enforcer type defender. Uh, I can't remember his name. Well, he's got to be a huge impact player then if you can't remember his name. By the way, I, listen, I know this is basketball, and we're going to get to the Kings Harvard hierarchy in a second. But we record this on Thursday night, and the Raiders are absolutely destroying the Chargers, right? It's 49 to 7, not even close. The Chargers scored 7. The Chargers' Twitter account. Tweeted out, we scored. That's what they tweeted out, and it's hilarious, and everyone's getting fired, and it's going to be a heck of a balls and brew opening segment next week. But our closing segment, as always, is the Kings Hardwood Hierarchy. All right, uh, King, it's Boston, all right? you're still winning. You're still top of the East, still got the best record in the NBA. You've won three in a row. All right. So Boston, they're the Kings right now. All right. That's just the way it is. And a close and a so close. No, no love. Wait, wait, wait. No love to the team that won the midseason tournament, which was recent, right? I mean, we've, we've, we've had some games since then. That here. Last oh, game okay. count, Jimmy, I dare you find the stats for the championship game right yeah. now. And then it the change stats. anybody's record or their last 10 or their win streaks. That's like, me. I can't yep. find it. That's a- 
That's on me. Go ahead. Who's your queen? <laughs> All right. Uh, and, and this is a close second because this is another team that is still just winning night after night for the most part, eight out of their last 10, and that's the Minnesota Timberwolves. All right? They're playing the second-best basketball in the league. How scared should we be of Minnesota being this team all year long, Jimmy? I mean, because when we came into this year, it was Lakers, it was Suns, it was maybe Clippers, it was, of course, the Nuggets. How worried should we be that this Minnesota team is for real? Oh, they're for real because mostly because Carl Anthony Towns now doesn't have to be, and he knows he's not the alpha. He knows he's not the 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 number one and that's fine. He can play his game. He can be a little lackadaisical if he needs to because Ant Edwards will rip people's heads off as he's going through it. So I really like this team, and they like Rudy now, and Rudy's actually playing well. And by the way, thanks to me just because I didn't like it. But anyway, um, I really like the T-Wolves moving forward. Yeah, they're tough. They're real tough. Um, I'm going to stick with what I still think is the most surprising story of the season as my prince, and that's the Orlando Magic. Let's go. Um, uh, they play a much better defense um, than Milwaukee or Philadelphia does right now. They play a much better um, defense than a lot of teams. That's basically right? what they hang their hat on. Right. I also think they're a much deeper team uh, than like Philadelphia or or oh, yeah. How many Milwaukee. Teams still for a guy like Cole Anthony off of their bench right now. You know what I mean? Right. So like to me, that's they're still the third best team in the NBA right now. Oklahoma City is close there too. Um, they've been playing real well. Um, I know Philly has won four in a row. But I still like Orlando. Listen, they are playing great basketball when no one expected them to at the beginning of this year. Um, us three kind of included, and so I got to give them all the props in the world. Speaking of Oklahoma City, Jimmy, let me do a little mea culpa here, too. Uh, I think mostly everybody in our group thread, right, especially the Wu-Tang, you guys all told me that Chet Holmgren was going to be a real player, and I took a lot of glory in the fact that, no, I don't think he's going to be a real player. And then when he got hurt last year, I was like, ah, ha, ha, see, yep. I told you. Yep. But, man, that dude looks like the truth right now playing for Oklahoma City. That team, again, I just I worry in the West, right? I love what I see out of Oklahoma City. I love what I see out of Minnesota. I love what I see out of Orlando, but I've watched the NBA for too long. We've seen a lot of these guys come running out, and then they fall off by the end of the year. Look at the Lakers. The Lakers were terrible for most of the year last year, and they got all the way to the Western Conference Finals. The Jazz are great. Yeah, the Jazz the we were talking year. about last year all the time, and, and really it, it, they just went down again. So, yes, you see right now the Suns and the Warriors are 10 and 11. The Clippers are 8. You're seeing teams like the Rockets uh, and the Thunder – Things can that's what the NBA season is great. That's why the midseason tournament worked well because it, it hyped you up. And now we have a nice little stretch before the trade deadline, and then we go full bore to the playoffs. Speaking of playoffs and not seeing the playoffs, Chris King, just well, this is the official San Antonio Detroit jester uh group. Uh, there is only one court jester this week. This is the second time they've been a jester this year, and it revolves around the same reason that they were a jester last time. It's the Golden State Warriors. Ooh, I thought you were going to go Wizards here. No, so it's whenever Draymond gets suspended, either multiple games or indefinitely, the Warriors are automatically going to be the jester. I said it last year. I said they made a mistake when they decided to stick with Draymond Green over Jordan Poole. I know Jordan Poole hasn't been great going to Washington, but he was never supposed to be a number one guy anyway. He was great in and gold at Golden State as the number three option, essentially, for the most part. Um, he did help them win their last championship much more than what Draymond did. 
I don't see Golden State getting back to the championship at any time soon as long as they keep Draymond on the team. Right now, they don't even make the play-in. This is ridiculous. No team with Steph Curry on it can be the Jester, all right? The Jester has to be the Washington Wizards, okay? Because the Wizards are getting blown out, all right? The Spurs are flirting with trying to win, and it just doesn't work out for them at the end. And the Pistons at least fight hard occasionally, and then it doesn't work out for them at the end as well. (laughs) The Wizards never show up, dude. Like, these guys are here for a fashion show, right? Like, Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Poole care more about what they're wearing into the game And then they care more about trying to floss for some pictures. It's an absolute joke what's going on in Washington. I'm offended that you put the Warriors here. I know that it's bad times in Warrior land right now, but the Wizards are offensive. If Draymond Draymond Green didn't perform some sort of wrestling move this week and get suspended, it would have been the Wizards, all right? But I'm sorry. I told you I was mad. I told you this has disappointed me this week with the NBA. And... You talked yourself. The Warriors have to take some of the responsibility for what has happened in there, and I am giving them their just desserts, all right? You want to put clowns on your team that continuously bring down your team? You are clowns. You are a jester. Well, there you have it, Golden State. Put this up on your bulletin board. Chris King put you as the jester of the week. Now it's time to turn it around. What a fiery, fiery week in Balls and Brew and the Fast Break. We appreciate you listening as always. And Chris King, if you can handle it, take us home. Wait a minute. Before you take us home, Jimmy, we got to tell people, all right, to tune into our wrestling Ah. show this week, all right? It's one of our favorite shows to do. You, Chris, and I will all pick our best wrestler of the year, best pay-per-view. We're basically giving out our awards. It's our version of the Oscars. We call it the Yeah, We Knowies. Even if you don't watch wrestling on a consistent basis like us super fans do, I think you'll still enjoy this episode. Give it a try in this very feed that you're listening to right now. Chris, I'm sorry. No, it's all right, Rob, because you are right. It is a great, great award show. You don't have to worry. We don't have any kind of dumb special effects or music category. So everything is must listen to. (laughs) Goodbye, Internet.